Most companies go, well, we got to get some attention. So we have to say who we are. We have to say it really loud. We have to tell our story, which is a trap. Nobody cares about your story. The way that you get somebody's attention is that you invite them into a story. Top leaders, meaningful conversation, actionable advice, bulldoze complacency, ignite inspiration, create impact. Produced by Southwestern Family of Companies. This is the Action Catalyst. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Donald Miller is one of the masters of story, and he's a New York Times bestselling author of Blue Like Jazz, Scary Close, and Building a Story Brand. So, Donald, welcome back. It's good to be back. So, how'd this come about? Well, I, most people know me as a writer. If they know me at all, they would know that uh, I've written a bunch of books. And uh, most of them are memoir flavor. They're self-helpy kind of books, but they're told in first-person memoir perspective. By the time you write your eighth memoir, you're just a clinical narcissist, right? So, it's time <laughs> for a pivot of some sort. And I developed this framework based on narrative after studying stories to write screenplays and books for 15 years. I developed a framework that uh, I could use with my own conference company to filter my messaging down. And and what, what that basically means is I, I figured out how I could use the elements of story, which I'm convinced are the most is the most powerful tool to compel a human brain to talk about my company in such a way that people would be interested and want to listen mm. and engage. And, you know, the theory was that would turn into higher revenue and higher customer engagement, all this kind of thing. Developed that framework, took my own company through that framework, and we quadrupled in revenue. And we saw that, oh, this framework that we use just to clarify our own corporate message with my conference company is more valuable than anything we've ever come up with. Mm -hmm. So we sort of leaked the fact that we had it and uh, we didn't really put together a website or anything, just sort of leaked that we had this framework that could help a company clarify their message. The first company was Procter & Gamble, and then uh, Ford Lincoln, and then the White House, and then and we were off to the races. Mm -hmm. And shut down the old conference company. And it, for me, it was a wonderful thing because, you know, I really did feel like in my writing career, I'd, I'd said it all. And I'm not the sort of writer who can come up with a book every year and write it. Life needs to happen for me. You know, I need to, to engage some stories. And sure. basically... What I do when I write a book is I, I, I look back and I go, okay, two years ago, what were you struggling with that you are no longer struggling with? And if that's interesting, I'll write a book about it. So, you know, it's been relationships, it's been faith, it's been, you know, all sorts of other things. It's been meaning of life with one of the books. And uh, and I didn't have any more of those. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> I hadn't struggled with anything in a long time, I guess. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this framework into a book. And uh, so what is it? So so what is the story brand framework? It is based on the seven plot points that happen in almost every story. And I, I really mean that. I mean, 99 percent of stories follow a narrative arc that is exactly the same. Right. So whether we're talking about Bridget Jones Diary or Rain Man or Hunger Games or Star Wars or Romeo and Juliet, it's the same story, basically. You just interchange some of the characters and some of the conflict. But what most people don't know is there is an order in which a story will unfold. And if you disobey the rules of that order, you will lose the audience. Right. And so if you know what those story formulas are, there are seven of them, uh, you walk into a movie, and within 15 minutes, you can pretty much tell what this is. This is Monster in the House, or this is Quest, or this is whatever, these seven basic uh, story formulas. 
what that said to me early on when I was thinking about this process was, this is a language that human beings speak. And most companies don't know how to speak this language. Mm-hmm. And here's a summary of it. Every story is a character, a hero, that is facing a villain that is causing them external, internal, and philosophical problems. They are in search of a guide, another character, who can help them overcome their conflict and experience a happy ending instead of a tragic ending. Oh, okay. That's basically story. So that, that's a lot. But in, in, what it has to do with business, though, is these seven basic principles. First is... Okay, so hold on. So go before ahead. we before we dive into the principles, so, so um, that is, like you said, the narrative arc of every story. Pretty much every story. Not everyone, Pr- but pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. But, and, and that's, we're going to get to that because that's the solution here is understanding that. But, but, you know, the subtitle of the book is Clarify Your Message So Customers Will, will Listen. That's right. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see marketers making? There are a lot of mistakes that companies make, but here's the big one. Companies assume that customers are going to give them an amount of time in order to understand what they offer, hmm. and they're not. They're not. They're, they're going to give you zero time. They're going to spend four seconds on your website. They're going to pass by your billboard at 85 miles per hour. They're going to swipe up on their Instagram feed, and your ad's not going to get any attention. What this means is you have to communicate very clearly why they should stop and pay attention. And you have to do it in a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if you are confusing or elusive, you are invisible. I don't care how much you paid for that billboard. You're invisible. I don't care how much you paid for that web designer. You are completely invisible. So most companies go, well, we got to get some attention. So we have to say who we are. We have to say it really loud. We have to tell our story, which is a trap. 95% of creative agencies believe that. And it's why most companies waste enormous amounts of money on marketing. Nobody cares about your story. The way that you get somebody's attention is that you invite them into a story. So you guys have a phrase that you say, and it's worth capturing. You talk about if you confuse, you'll lose. So I've gone around the country and asked this question to thousands of people. What did Jeb Bush want to do for America? Nobody has ever answered that question. And I I bet you I've answered that question to now 150,000 people. Nobody's ever answered it. When I say, what did Donald Trump want to do for America? Everybody says, make America great again. I mean, they literally chant it in unison. Jeb's message was confusing. Donald Trump's message was clear. Who's the better candidate? I mean, arguably, I think a lot of people would say Jeb Bush, especially at this point, would probably have been a better president. But he lost. The reason is people were confused and they passed him by. So he's essentially invisible. He, before, he called us and we, we went in and helped him a little bit at the very end, but before we went and helped him, he was at 3% in the polls with $117 million in the Right to Rise Super PAC and $12 million wow. in the general campaign fund. This is not a money problem. This is a message problem. Well, and it's, it's kind of like you go, regardless of what you think of Trump, he was crystal clear. It's crystal clear, and he learned it by reality television, by telling stories, by understanding what gets somebody's attention. And drama gets their attention. Identifying villains gets people's attention. Now, he, he I, I also think he's extremely manipulative in the use of narrative. He vilifies people who aren't actually villains. Sure. Well, so what, I don't want to get too much into the politics yeah, of yeah. him, but, but, the, but the point is clarity counts for a tremendous amount. And I would even say narrative clarity. Narrative clarity. Who is your customer? What is their problem? How is it making them feel? Why is that just plain wrong? And why are you qualified to get them out of this problem? You want to communicate a customer-centric message. The message has to be about the customer. Let me give you an example. Let's say I'm giving a talk. Let's say, you know, we're at some TED talk, you know, 
symposium and there's a bunch of t- talkers going up. The first guy gets up and he says, hey, my name is Don and uh, I come from Nashville, Tennessee, and I've lived there for about five years with my wife. We have two dogs. Second guy gets up, doesn't say his name, doesn't say where he's from, doesn't let you know that he has dogs. He literally says this, we've got a big problem. 50% of the people in this room will probably die of cancer. Who's more interesting? I don't know that guy's name. I don't know where he lives. I don't know if he have dogs, but I am plugged in at this point. Wow. And then he goes on to say, your water here is whatever. You know, when a story starts, when a character has a problem, it opens a story loop. It makes me want to pursue some sort of answer to this question so that I can close that story loop in my brain. The fact that you're from Nashville, Tennessee, and have been married five years and have two dogs does not open a story loop in my care. brain. I don't care. So I'm seconds are ticking by, and I'm waiting for you to open a story loop, and you're not doing it. So my brain is designed, I believe, by God, that when you don't get to the point or you're confusing, my brain is saying, you know what? I'm burning calories listening to this guy, and he's not going anywhere. He's not doing anything to help me survive. Not doing. There's nothing in this talk for me. Barbarians may come over the hill here in an hour, and I need to save some calories in case I have to fight them. So I'm just going to tune out on this guy and rest my brain a second so that I can conserve calories in case there's a threat in the future. When you are confusing, your customer's brain literally is programmed to shut down and ignore you as a survival mechanism. To conserve energy. That's exactly it. So you have to enter and you have to invite them into a story very quickly. And by doing that, you have to identify an ambition that they want and a problem that is keeping them from getting what they want. And you got to talk about it right away. So the story brand framework, give us the seven steps, just the names of them really quick. Well, there's a character. You identify who the character is. They are the hero. And you have to identify something the hero wants. And we have to say that in our marketing collateral. You know, if you want to save 15% on car insurance, who do you go to? Geico. Exactly. See, you already, you know that. That's effective marketing. You know, now what if, uh, you know, what if Geico came out and had ads that said, we won J.D. Power and Associates Award for best customers? Who cares? So there's two mistakes that brands tend to make when they're identifying what the customer wants. They either make it so elusive or the other thing is a brand will offer so much that there's 15 things that we offer that our customers want. And that's that's great. But if you have a movie and Jason Bourne wants to know who he really is and lose 30 pounds and marry the girl and he's thinking about adopting a cat and he wants to run a marathon, you will lose the audience. You have to choose one. And it would be an umbrella thing that all the stuff you offer comes in under. So with Dave Ramsey offers financial peace. Well, how does he do it? He offers it through selling great mortgages. He offers it through software. He offers it through classes. But he offers financial peace. It's the one thing he's known for. And we've got to do that as a brand. So first, identify what your customer wants. Then identify the problem they are encountering getting what they want. I'm not going to go into this. This would take a long time. But what is challenging them from getting what they want? What is keeping them from getting what they want? You need to position your brand to help them overcome that challenge. But you need to name the challenge. You need to name it and say, we help you overcome this. We help you overcome gingivitis. We help you overcome procrastination. We help you overcome weeds in your lawn or embarrassment in your neighborhood because your lawn looks so bad. Identify what it is and make it singular also because stories work best in singular plot points. Don't add, don't put a bunch of stuff here. And then you position yourself as the guide in the story. Now, the guide is a character that has existed for thousands of years since Plato and Aristotle. They would put this other character in the story that is basically kind of a bit part, but it's a very important part. The sole purpose of the guide is to help the hero win the day. Hmm. So the biggest paradigm shift is never position yourself as the hero. 
only position yourself as the guide. So coming back to famous movies, so right. give us who are famous guides that we would see in movies. Oh, in Hunger Games, uh, it would be Woody from Cheers, right? Haymitch yeah, is, yeah, Haymitch, is our yeah. guide. Uh, in Star Wars, Luke Skywalker is the hero. Obi-Wan Kenobi is the guide, or Yoda is the guide. There's often uh, multiple guides. In the King's Speech, uh, King George, of course, is the hero. Lionel, the drama coach, is the guide. In Moneyball, uh, Billy Bean is the hero. Peter Brand is the guide. Mr. Miyagi is the guide for Karate Kid. You know, on and on. And, and the, the the guide sometimes can be the, the central character of the story. Mary Poppins is the guide in the movie Mary Poppins. The father is the hero. And the father's hardly on screen. Every one of us wakes up in the morning self-identifying as the lead protagonist in a story, as the hero. When you come to me and we meet at a cocktail party and say, what do you do? You say, well, I work, I, I help start this company and we're actually, you know, we have a great company culture and we, we have a great, great places to work metric and we're trying to double revenue next year. What, what, as you talk about your company and yourself, what my brain is doing is it's categorizing you in my mind and it's categorizing you as another hero. Now, it's not that I don't like you. I'm actually quite interested. You know, I'm like, I wish this guy would keep in touch. He's got this great story going on. I wonder, you know, if that's going to work out. Um, for now, though, I do wish he would step aside because I'm actually looking for a guide to help me solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And you're not talking about my problem. And you're not positioning yourself as an authority to solve my problem. You're telling me your story. So if you're talking about yourself, you can't, it's like you're not talking, you can't be talking about yourself and talking about my problem at the same time. You can as long as you're talking about yourself in the context of, of solving problems. So when you say, instead of saying, you know, I work for this company that I helped start plenty of years ago, you, you would say something like, um, you know, I'd say, what do you do for a living? You say, well, you know how most, so most salespeople actually don't have accountability right. and they really struggle to make the calls and close the deals because we're all kind of lazy on the inside. Uh -huh. I have a coaching firm that actually keeps salespeople accountable. And we find that when employers hire coaches for their salespeople, their revenue goes through the roof. Mm -hmm. It's called, and then you, you go from there. Well, what did you just do? You just identified a problem that I may have, you talked about the solution, and you invited me to live that story myself to solve my own problem. So, that is good, effective marketing and branding. So there's the guide. That's the guide. Then what the guide does is the guide, you, there's a couple things in the book, there was a way that you position yourself your, as a guide in your customer's subconscious. There's two things you need to do. One of the other things that you need to do is you need to give the guide a plan. I mean, the hero a plan. The guide gives the hero usually three or four steps that they can take in order to solve their problem. And the reason you do that is because most customers won't engage you if they get into a confusion. Uh, but, but let's say we're at the cocktail party. You say, you know, you should call me. My coaches can really help. I'm probably not going to call. I'm probably like 40% ready to call you because there's kind of a fog there. I don't know how much it's going to cost. Is it going to be, you know, it's going to take a bunch of my time. And if I have questions, I'm not going to make the deal. And here's why. Because it's a risk on my part. It's a financial risk. It's also a social risk. I may, I may be foolish by, by buying into a bad service. So there's, there's, and at the point where I start feeling that risk, those are all excuses to walk away. And your customers are going to take those excuses. So what you have to say to me is, Don, it's really easy. So, so what you would say is, if I say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested. Can I have a card? You'd hand me your card and you said, yeah, absolutely. It's actually super easy. You and I just get on the phone. We have a, a call. I assess your needs. We send you a custom strategy, a report saying what we think you should do, and then we help you execute it. It's just a three-step plan. It's super easy. Well, what did you just do in my brain? You just said, Don, it's not going to be a lot of hard. There's not going to be hard work in this. It's going to be super easy. We find that when you actually say to folks, hey, this is, let me show you visually one, two, three steps and they go, oh, this is easy, you see a dramatic increase in customer engagement. So you start with a character, there's something they want. That has a problem getting a problem. it. 
they meet the guide, meet that's guide. you, and the guide gives them a plan to solve Which their problem. Which is number five is the plan. That's right. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's number four. Four is the plan. And okay. then number five is you call them to action. Yes. So you make your direct calls to action, buy now, schedule an appointment, register today, extremely clear. And it's amazing how many clients come to us. And we look at every website of every client that we engage. And they come to our workshops and we put their website on a giant 80-inch screen. Which Scary. Some of them is terrifying. Everybody. Yeah, you're like, oh, But uh, we, we don't embarrass you. But we do say, hey, you know, you, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. One of the things we often say is your calls to action aren't very clear. You're saying things like learn more or contact. That That's very evasive language. You need to say call now, buy now. It needs to be extremely clear. And just clarifying your direct call to action. And in the top right corner of your website, you should have just a couple buttons. Most people have 10 or 12. That's clutter. The only thing I want you to do is apply or buy now or schedule an appointment. So why? why, why I'm going to put that in the top right corner and I'm going to make it a different color. Like painfully the, obvious. Painfully Explicitly obvious. Explicitly clear. Yeah. If you go to our website, you don't see a bunch of buttons. I think contact is down at the very bottom in what we call the junk drawer. People will look for the contact button. You don't need it at the top. What I want at the top is, will you marry me? I'm trying to marry the girl here, right? So you don't want to like... Will you marry me? And also, would you like to meet my brother? And also, would you, you know, yeah, no, let's just stick with the one question that we're trying to get to here. And so, you know, it's just being more direct. And also, customers need to be challenged to place an order. And most of us are selling passively, which makes us look weak. We, we think we're saying this. We think we're saying, oh, you know, uh, I don't want to bother you. Uh, but, you know, we do have a great service. If you need it, give me a call. But I really don't want to. I don't want to be one of those pushy salespeople who's bothering you. We think we're being polite. What the customer is actually hearing is, uh, I don't actually believe in my product. I don't believe it will actually solve your problem. If you do want to give me some charity and buy it, I would appreciate that. But I'm not very confident that I have what. Can you imagine going to a doctor and the doctor says you have cancer, and they say, well, you know, we we do. I mean, we have a pill that for, for a lot of other people has just made made this go away very quickly. It's actually, you know, but but I don't want I don't want to bother you. You know, it's like you're going to tie that guy down and force that pill down his throat right. and make him pay for it because he's going to die. So if you don't have a problem to solve, no wonder you're being passive. But if you're if you do have a problem to solve, you're going to be direct. And then the final two after calls to action are you have to tell people what are the negative consequences of not doing business with you. You have if there are no stakes in the story, there is no story. If the bomb isn't a threat to go off and hurt a bunch of people. There's no reason to keep paying attention to this. The bomb's a dud. And it's not going to hurt anybody. I'm not going to watch 90 more minutes of this guy trying to get to this bomb that we all know is not ever really going to go off. You do need to say there are some consequences not doing business with us. Here's what life looks like. You're going to keep procrastinating. You're going to make less money. You're going to have tooth pain. You know, whatever it is. Then the final is the success bucket. And that is we've got to give people a vision of what their life can look like if they do business with us. So we've got to tell them what their life will look like if they don't and positively what their life will look like if they do. That creates stakes in the story. So those are the seven. A character that wants something has a problem they have to overcome, meets a guide who helps them, gives them a plan to show them how easy it is, calls them to action so they do not experience tragedy and instead experience success. And in my opinion, and I believe my opinion is right, uh, (laughs) you should only communicate answers to those seven questions. Anything on your website that doesn't come from one of those seven buckets is noise and it's confusing your customer. And it's been proven to captivate a human brain. So if I, you said, you know, we use it for helping people give speeches all the time. And, you know, first thing you do is walk to the platform and you talk about what we all want, but we can't have it because there's a problem. But don't worry because I've helped a lot of people get through this problem. And I've done it by one, two, three. I need you to engage 
and, and do this thing in order to solve this problem for yourself. Because if you don't, bad things going to happen. But don't think about that because good things can happen. They, your oh, life can look man. like this. That's it. Just those seven. Everything else is noise. So what is the difference between number seven and number one? Well, what the character wants is uh, they're, they're actually very similar and they can overlap. Okay. Uh, but let's say, uh, you know, I'm embarrassed about my yard and I don't, want my, I don't want to be embarrassed in the neighborhood anymore. That's something I want. Well, what's the solution to that? A beautiful lawn. So the success is the beautiful lawn. What I want is to not be embarrassed anymore. They can overlap and they can even in those two categories. In fact, it's beneficial if they are the same thing. Because the more you can use the exact same language, the more clear your story actually is. Gotcha. Uh, But those two are very, very similar. Well, you think about it, the success category closes the loop on what the customer wants. So it's actually even better if they get what they want in the end. And you use the term villain. There's something you want, but there's a villain. It's the villain who causes an external, internal, and philosophical problem. External problem is usually the physical problem that the company solves. Internal is how your customer is feeling about their external problem. I'm feeling hopeless. Ugly lawn's my problem. Embarrassment is how I feel about it. Now, here's why that's important. People are more motivated to solve internal problems than they are to solve external problems. In other words, nobody's calling you because they have a problem. Nobody. They're all calling you because that problem is making them feel something. And they're trying to end the feeling. They're not trying to solve the problem. They're trying to end the feeling. And the only way they're going to end yeah. that feeling is to solve the problem. You know, I'm in, uh, are you embarrassed about your lawn and do you wish it looked as good as your neighbor's? My problem is I'm embarrassed. Where do you want people to go to either connect with you guys, get the book, et cetera, et cetera? Well, they can buy the book anywhere you buy books, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, anywhere. All that sort of information about us is available at storybrand.com. Mm-hmm. What is the first step? I mean, other than buying the book, if you were going to just go, you're Absolutely. Marketing. Even before you start the business, if you're at that stage or if you've been in business for 10 years, the one question you need to answer is what problem do you solve? People are only motivated to solve problems. And if you can say, I solved this problem, when somebody hands you their business card, you actually you know, put it in that Rolodex file of your brain, right? You're trying to remember this person in their business. The Rolodex in a customer's brain isn't ba- alphabetically categorized by the name of your business. It's alphabetically categorized by the problem you solve. So when you say, you know, here, here I do business, you know, I do, I do this and, and we, work, we work with wood a lot. I don't know what problem you solve. So, and my in my brain, I'm trying to figure out where to categorize you. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put you in her W for wood. I'll forget you. So if I can't figure out what problem you solve, I actually I literally throw the thing away in my my it's never in my brain again. But when you say um, we work with wood, we make wood floors that that don't buckle for a hundred years. They're the, they're the most solid wood floors in the world. They'll never warp. Well, now now first of all, you just agitated a problem, right? I didn't know wood floors buckled and warped. And so now, who do I go to to solve this problem that I didn't even know existed? I go to you because your floors apparently don't buckle or warp. So just associating this, here's a problem that everybody's dealing with, and we have solved that problem, is the number one thing you want to do in business. Because you've got to be known for solving a problem. Don, thank you for all that you guys do. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And thanks for listening.